0: You're assigned life now. But that doesn't mean next week I'll... I might call it something else next week. Just depends on how it goes. Which way it goes. I don't know which way it's going to go. In Psalm 78, verse 9, I'm going to read it out of the New Living. It just flows a little better in this Old Testament. But listen to what it says. It's a commentary on what's been happening. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. And here it is, verse 11. They forgot what he had done. Let's say that together. They forgot what he had done. So we're going to talk about the testimony that we all hold, the great wonders he had shown them, the miracles he did for their ancestors on the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt. And then he lists them, for he divided the sea and led them through, making the water stand up like walls. In the daytime he led them by a cloud, and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring, He made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet, they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. So it goes on there uh, and talks about them having a visitation, a testimony of life being taken out of Egypt. At one place, they complained and said, wish we were back in Egypt with the flesh pots. Well, if you all read back in Egypt, there was no flesh pots. There wasn't much going on there. Uh, So this generation saw the supernatural. Let's say that word. Supernatural. Let's say it again. Supernatural. And I want us to always visit at River Church the truth of the air we breathe and the life we pursue. It's never natural. It's always supernatural. No matter how naturally it comes about that it's evidenced, like the rock broke forth the water. That was, that was regular water or whatever, but it was supernatural supernatural. And it's natural. So you have to ask yourself about these people. Why would anybody stop it? I mean, you got to get beat with a stupid stick to see how God was just there the whole way, never faltered, never hesitated, never uh, drew back. And yet, it didn't go according as they wanted. And expectation, disappointment is based on expectation. It's not that what happened was bad. It's just that it didn't measure up to what we expected. So we get disappointed. You know, the boss says, I'm gonna give you a raise and, and you expect it to be $500 and he slides in with 350, which is everybody around you got 200 or whatever. And we're like, we're disappointed. It's along those lines. So uh, let's just talk about us, talk about people. Everybody that's born in the earth is born with a craving to find the advantage for their life. Everybody wants to be at the right place at the right time. They want to get the deal. They want to get more for less. Nobody, everybody's upset when they got took, so to speak, and somebody bought something for less than what we bought it for. And so competition in comparison is the world's way. That is the kingdom. Competition and comparison. It's based on shortage and need and lack. It just means there's not enough to go around. Therefore, you better get up. The early bird gets the worm. You better get up. Uh, Dog eat dog. That sort of thing where there's a race or there's a contest or there's a press for us to strive. Thinking that that's the only way we can have the advantage but it's not who we are. It's who we were, but it's not who we are. And I want to just bring that out this evening, that we, that we relax and get in faith about the things that God wants to give us. Our whole life is not based on whooping the devil. Religion says we ought to be whooping on the devil, a little spiritual warfare. Um, and there are things that are right in that, of course. But almost our whole perspective in life is staying in Faith. Stay in faith. Say it with me. Stay in faith. That's the whole thing. If I can stay in faith, everything, everything, everything is taken care of if I can stay in faith. So obviously when the devil or the world or the curse or the flesh comes, it's to get us out of faith. It's not really the bad thing that happens. Who cares? What what does the devil care If if your radiator blew up or if your house had a leak? What he wants to do is get us out of faith. Because we win when we're in faith. When the promises are in us and we believe them and we act on them, we are invincible. We are indomitable. We cannot be stopped. And so his whole deal, if you're just wondering where he's really coming at you, people are real quick to say, oh, it's the devil. He's just after me. Well, why? Why is he after you? Well, that's just what he does. Well, he does that to get us out of faith. And so he doesn't bother a lot of people because they never were in faith but he has to project a certain amount of angst and strife in the world so that everybody's always uh, uh, preparing for less and trouble and an emergency and all of that. So uh, whatever the line is for you and me for competition and comparison, that is the measure of our character. Whatever you're not willing to do, a conviction that you just say, I'm not doing that, that is the measure of your character. Doesn't mean you're not tempted. Doesn't mean that you didn't think you could get away with it. Didn't mean that a lot of your friends did do it and got away with it. But it's just like, I'm not doing that. That would be in your marriage, certain convictions that you just never gonna be alone with a woman that's not my wife. And things like that. Never gonna. My little brother, I'll say this on TV, <laughs> he just loved to aggravate me. So he got Colin and Eric for Christmas one year. He got them lottery tickets. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't care. They, they tried to cash him in and all that. But it was just like he knew that we had a conviction about buying lottery tickets, among other things. And he, he thought it was hilarious. He just thought it was a big time. So that the line that anyone is willing to cross is the edge or the end of your character. So we're developing our character. There's things that you used to would have done and not take a thought. And you're like, we're not doing that. And then there's some people that wouldn't used to do certain things. And it's okay now. They've kind of finally consoled themselves. And they've looked at the godless and said, well, look at what they got. They don't serve God. And here I am serving God and giving and doing and going and they don't, look at what all they have, and it discourages them, and they take that to heart. Uh, So here's my point. Anyone that's looking every day for an advantage, looking for an advantage, a deal here, cheaper gas there, uh, whatever we do that that portrays that, uh, that advantage, you could translate that to say breakthrough. We're all looking for a breakthrough. Something to open up that's not ordinary, that's not common or routine, that we open up. Somebody says, hey, I can get you a deal on that. And it's legitimate. And we go, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a breakthrough. Or a a new position comes up at the university or at wherever, and, and we apply for it because we want to take advantage of it. It's not bad. It's just, that's how we are. So you could translate the word breakthrough to say that one miracle can change everything. If we knew what the miracle would look like, or even surprised by his goodness, we could say, Wow, I had a breakthrough. I had a miracle, something that was not natural, that was not contrived. The uh, verse uh, forty in this thing, and then we'll leave this. Oh how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. Again and again, they tested God's patience and provoked, what, what does King James say? Provoked the Holy One of Israel. Is it limited? limited? Limited, the Holy One of Israel. Boy, there's one thing we don't want to be doing that's limiting God because he's on our side. It's not like, well, we're, we're trying to get him so he's not so mean and mad. Again and again, they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies." So there's a testimony, testimony here, about remembering, about remembering the victory. So to stay in faith, to stay in faith, to stay in faith, we get in faith about things, healing and and supply and, and lots of things, but to stay in faith, we have to stop our life every once in a while and say, this isn't the way it is for everybody else, I have an advantage. I'm, I'm having regular breakthroughs and, it's, and, and make a testimony. Tell yourself, self, you're blessed. You're blessed. And especially when you talk to anybody that's having a hard time, you don't want to gloat or anything. You want to tell them how you got blessed, but you're blessed. And everything turns out amazing. And there's plenty more where that came from. And we're just confident no matter what happens, no matter how it goes, it's like, ah. Everything's turning out amazing, and there's plenty more where that came from. And so we have that air, or we have that edge, or we have that thing in us that we remind ourselves, and sometimes we remind others to remind ourselves, I'm blessed. And it's called the testimony. And testimony, simply, when we do that, it means God wants to do it again. Let's say that. God wants to do it again. It's not that he's willing. He could be coerced or bribed or, you know, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. I'll serve you and all this. It's like he wants to do it again, but he needs us to be in faith about it, doesn't he? About the outcome. In uh, Hebrews 13, don't go there, but we know it says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We also know in Acts 10, 34, it says that God is no respecter of persons. So really, if we see anything happening in anybody's life, if he heals anyone of multiple sclerosis or cerebral palsy, then it's ours. Because he's no respecter, and he's the same. If he did that for somebody, he'll do that for me. He'll do that for us. But we discount that a lot of times. We discount that and say, well, they did this, or they must have done that, and it's wrong. It's, it's, a, it's an enmity to our faith to discount the testimony of our life. We're blessed. We're just blessed. We're just all over blessed. Now the, the temptation is to say, well, somebody is more blessed. But uh, the Word says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So there's a lot of rich or well-to-do or whatever that aren't really rich. They're just holding a supply but they're not without sorrow. We're without sorrow. No matter where we are, wherever you came from, and now is more blessed than it is. Amen. We're all more blessed than we used to be. And uh, we can hold it, whereas before we may not could have held it. You know, they say people that get big inheritances or win the lotto, they can't hold it. They have no capacity. Well, we've, we've enlarged our capacity We've aligned ourselves. I know what I do for a, with a million dollars, and I do. I know. Now, I'm not trying to bribe the Lord and get him to do anything. I'm just saying he already knows it, but I'm just saying I already know. I'm proclaiming it so that when it happens, I'm held accountable. It's like if you don't tell anybody and you get a million, you can go do what you want. So we, we tell it. Let me, let me read some statistics to you. I don't mean for these to be negative, but I do want to just put this in us to to have a bulwark for a testimony. We don't testify enough. We don't testify enough. It should be a constant flow out of us, how thankful we are. But uh, 26% of Americans claim no religion. So only three out of four claim anything. And 10% of these 26% are atheists and agnostics. So that's a lot of folks when you get in a crowd and you think one out of four of them is one of those. Uh, I looked it up and uh, uh, an atheist is anyone who denies that God exists. And they're vehement, they're bold about it, they're, they're sure. But an agnostic claims that, he, that you cannot... You cannot know if God exists. They're not as adamant about it. They're just saying, there's no way to know. He might be out there, but there's no way to know. And I'm not investing in something that I can't know. 65% of Americans claim to be Christian. And in 1990, it was 85%. But that word Christian's pretty tricky, as you all know. <laughs> a lot of Americans say they're Christian. And a lot of sons and daughters of... Christians say they're Christian because well of course we're Christian we believe in God but I looked up the scripture in James 2 19 it says thou believest there is one God thou doest well the devils also believe and tremble so we may have a lower bar for Christianity in America than the Lord does uh, I looked it up on the internet today and it said 28 to 35 percent of Americans Claim to be Christian by being self-identified as born again. And that is pretty much the key. Not where you go to church or not who you know, but that you profess Jesus and that you've had a born again experience. And that would be 28, what did I say, 28 to 35%. So there's a lot of folks out there that are going to church that aren't Christians, Uh, I looked up I looked up while I was there I saw two major major religious entities in our nation all over the world and uh, it said what did they do with Jesus well you're not born again with the Mormons and you're not born again with Jehovah Witnesses you're just working yourself through well that they and if you ask them none of them really know based on works they don't know if they're going to heaven because if it's a works thing, there's a sliding scale in there somewhere. And some say, you know, if you commit suicide, you went straight to hell. That's not true. We're not going to do it, but it's not true. Hallelujah. So, uh, 26% of Americans see no good difference of Christian lives that are better than their own. Actually, I found, maybe you have too, that a lot of times sinners, people that aren't born again, are actually more, uh, they do right, better than Christians. And they know it because it's a hindrance to them to say, I'm as good as they are down there. Therefore, and whatever follows therefore means I'm not going to be like one of them. And they'll say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And that's true, you don't. But you can't. You can't be a strong Christian and not go to church because we're all under authority. You're only over authority. You only have authority to the same degree and basis that we're under authority. So if you answer to no one, no one's answering to you. Hallelujah. So why is this? Why does the world look at the church, all churches, all Christians, and have no confidence in them being different than they are? And I'm telling you, the reason is that the lack of the testimony. We talk about everything when we're with weak Christians, which are probably not Christians. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Well, there's a higher bar in the word than most people say. I know when I was inducted, so what? They, they didn't. There was no Jesus in it. It was joining the church. That was I was young, and uh, so I don't really know when I got born again. There was not an experience. But uh, why? Why do? Why does the world look at us very cynically? They're very cynical about the church, and if you lump in all the different denominations, and you have to, that claim to be Christian, but they're pro-abortion, they're pro-choice, and yet, and yet, and yet. You go, they go, there's no difference between y'all and us. And like I said, a lot of them are, are more, have a higher character and a greater standard. They, they, they cheat less than Christians. Some Christians do. But we can't fix that. We're not even addressing that. It has nothing to do with us except for our own life. What can I do for my life? I, I can't do anything for somebody else and certainly not y'all or Deborah. I, everybody's on their own, aren't, aren't we? We're on our own. We cannot judge one another and say, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. That's wrong. We stand on our own. So I'm going to tell you how to stand on your own better, and it's testimony. What comes out of our mouth when we're with people judges us about who we are and who it makes people want to be. People like the testimony. But more than that, or as much as that, we like the testimony. It feels good. I, for instance, husbands, when they, when they get to brag on their wife or their children, it feels good. Say, yeah, that's, she's mine, or whatever. And when they demean them, when they say, oh, she's, she's hard and she's cranky and she, whatever. The anti-testimony, the world just shakes their head and says, what? Why would I need your Jesus? Why would I need anything you have? I don't. So the church has lost the power of the testimony. And so we're powerless in any agenda. Uh, I'm becoming aware, and it doesn't matter, but how many people in the Northeast are Catholic? Because down here, we're not that much. But the Northeast, is. they'll go on about this... uh, abortion issue, they'll start professing, well, so and so is a Catholic and there's so-and-so, and the church stands against that. But they personally say, well, I'm here for the people and I'll do whatever I want. So the lukewarm church, in my opinion, has just basically found them a building, modified it a little bit, put some different chairs in it, put a cross in it somewhere, passed some grape juice and some cracker every once in a while, and they said, we're a church. But actually, they're just the world with some rituals. Are you all with me? Yes. That, I'm, I'm not criticizing. I'm just, I'm just saying, let's, let's divide and see where we are. And it's, it's a gradient. It's not like you're either bad or you're good. It's a gradient. And we're all ministering to, we're saved by grace through faith and not, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So we're not trying to earn salvation but now that we've got it, we should represent it very well. So, uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's see if we have time to go there. 2 Corinthians, wrong Bible. We'll be praying over the microphone for Sunday morning. Hallelujah. It's like going into a ring with a boxer and you got one hand tied behind your back or something. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, let's read it together. Very important key verse for our lives. It, It is the linchpin for who we are. Ready, read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature; old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, in most Christianity, that says you can uh, lose your salvation. That's based on salvation being a, a a performance. That when you're good and you say you love God and you go to church and you do the sacraments or whatever, then you're in. But if you have a slow spell and don't go or don't do right or whatever, then they say that's another judgment call that heaven makes. And you're, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell because of what you did or didn't do. But here it says that's not how it works. It says we are changed in an atomic second. That means lightning. Lightning. In an atomic second, we're not sa- we're not saved over 30 minutes. It took us to say, "Lord, I'll do better, and I'll do I'll give you this and that." It's an atomic second. As soon as we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, in whatever form that takes, it's not that you have to say, "Lord Jesus, I this that and the other." You just you just your heart just turns and makes Him Lord, in whatever capacity that you can. It's not like we even know what that means. But we change Lords. We say, I'm leaving this one, and whatever Jesus has for me, I'm willing to go with it. And so s- salvation is forever. There is a way you can get out of it, and it talks about it in Hebrews. But you've you got to be a renegade. You've got to be wild eyed. You've you got to renounce and change and turn and, and openly advocate for your separation. It's not something that happens. Slowly. So, when we when we feel like we might not be saved, do y'all know any people that have ever told you they didn't know? I I was raised Baptist. Let's just put this on. And one thing Baptists do is we know we're saved. Just just everybody's saved, and yay. So if you're raised Baptist and you have people that doubt, they wonder if they're born again, I hope I go to heaven is what I've heard them say. 70 and 80-year-old Baptists saying, I, I, I hope I've done enough. It just, it just is really, we've got bad doctrine. I said they've got bad doctrine. They don't have the confidence, even though they say once saved, always saved. I've heard several of my family say, I hope so. Boy, if there's anything we've got, is that we know so. We know so. Yeah, we're going to heaven. Now, if, you, if you, you say, well, then we ought to be able to sin and mess up and mess around down here if we're going to go to heaven. Well, the wages of sin are death. So if you do the mess around here, you're going to heaven, but you're going to have a whale of a trip. It's going to be tough, tough to live like the devil and even though you're going to heaven. So everybody's always judging whether somebody is acting like a Christian. Well, the truth is, all of us have, have times that we've missed it. It's called sin, missing the mark. And we've acted like we weren't going to heaven. We didn't trust the Lord Jesus. And here's the main part, is that we nullify or we walk away from our testimony of how good he's been to us. And, and in times past when we messed up and got away from God, or whatever people do, that he continued to be good. Don't you know it's the goodness of God that leadeth men, leadeth men to change? So it's like, well, I was, I was a scoundrel. I was a scamp. And it was still good. He didn't throw me under the bus. And so we've got this testimony of even when I wasn't what I should be or could be, he was good to me. It's a testimony. Good things happen while I was not doing good things. So I must be a child of God. I must be right in there. So we go by feelings. I don't feel saved. I've, have you ever heard anybody say that? I don't know if I am because I don't feel saved. Well, yeah. Now, I've personally never had that feeling, but I've had other feelings. I've never not felt saved. I've often felt like I could do better and should, but I've never felt like I was outside of the family. You need to nail that down, family. If that's ever a a thought that comes up that says, I'm not sure, you need to spend time in that because the devil, he'll beat you up and throw you under the bus. Um, So I, I wrote down physical and soulish feelings war against the new man. So we can feel like we're not saved. Uh, It's happening in the world now. It's not even a a, a spiritual things. Now, we've been through the time where race was a a negative, where if you weren't whatever, then you had less rights and less humanity and less godliness or whatever. Do you all know what I'm talking about? That's not like, that's not centuries old. That's this century or last century. And uh, then now we're having all sorts of transgender things that they want rights and, uh, you know, because they don't feel like they have a full space at the table. Then there's the right to work people, the union people. That's just someone that is always fighting for their rights because they feel like they're being... uh, Well, I don't even know what the word is. They don't have a place at the table sometimes, so they fight. My point is, is they fight. It used to be races had to fight. The, the transgenders feel like they have to fight or whatever those people are. Uh, the alphabet, A, B, C, D, G, H, Q, uh, whatever they are. Uh, political parties, denominations, all these things are things that enter into our life in a soulish realm that we're around people that are feeling like they're not who they want to be. And we got to cast it off and say, I've got a testimony. i got a testimony. No matter who you think you are, I can tell you who I used to be, and the Lord swallowed me up and cleaned me up and blessed me and put me in a high place. And we need to never, 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 ever look to the things that have been negative and say, that was, that was my life. We always lived above that part of our life. So my point is, is the ungenerated man, like these different groups, uh, they have to have reminders all the time. They have to fly their flag or, or march or, or uh, enact laws and everything. And I, I'm not taking a stand on that. I'm not making this a political thing tonight. I'm just saying everybody reacts to how they feel and one thing we as Christians have to do is we don't react to how we feel because sometimes we'll feel pretty unsaved or whatever, and it's just not true. Uh, but the Lord put things in the, in the Word in the Old Testament that helped them be reminders. They, they put the rainbow, and didn't God say, I'm putting this in here, it's a reminder. And then they had the, the feasts every year. I'm reminding you how you got delivered out of this on Yom Kippur and on, uh, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles and the, all those feasts are not there so that they'll eat. It's so that they re- tell the story. The Father tells the story. This is because God delivered our people, and it's a testimony that if He delivered them, He'll deliver us. There's uh, 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 circumcision is a reminder in the Old Testament, that, hey, you're God's people, you're, you're somebody there. It was a physical reminder. But we're not those people. We have to take the testimony not of something that happened to a whole people, but that happened to me. It happened to me. I, I can. T- it happened to me. What, whatever the... The, the sh, sh, Feast of Tabernacles and Pentecost and, and all those things, whatever they commemorated, and whatever pile of stones they put, and no matter uh, all those things, that's good. but I can't live on those. I have to have a testimony. I've got some. Do you have a testimony this evening? And maybe you know, we don't have time to share everything, but we all have a testimony where we could say, God was good, no matter how it wasn't a measure of me being good. God's just good, and I'm just a son. Um, So they would get themselves out of position for a miracle, and we sometimes are tempted to get ourselves out of position for a miracle because of how we feel or how it looks or how we slot ourselves. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. I'm saved. And when you're saved, you're a child of God. I mean, you're right there on the front row. He said, this front row is my favorite, and we're all on the front row. (laughs) Amen. So the Word says in the Old Testament not to forget, but we're not to forget either. Our job is just to stay in faith, and faith is stirred up that God will do it again. He'll do it again for me. And he'll do as good or more than he did before. Whatever's required, whatever's needful, he'll do that. It's a miracle. It's, it's over the top. It's the supernatural. Yeah, that's right. That's the realm we walk in. We are not those people that have no hope. We are not those people that have no one to call on. We, have, we are not those people that do not have the promises written in their heart. We are not those people. So we stir ourselves up. I hope that when you have a quiet time or a, wh- however you call that, that the big end of that is not so much asking for what God will do, because He will, is reminding yourself, thank you, Lord, for yesterday. You fished me out, and I, I'm surprised. <laughs> Well, the Word of God builds our faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So uh, the Word of God gives us the power. We believe in the power, but testimonies give us access. As soon as someone testifies in here at any given time and you are in earshot of it, there's a thought, there's, a, there's a, uh, an anointing that comes into you that, that catalogs that, that slots that, that, that puts that in. And says, if I ever need that, I've heard it and I'll have it. It's not conscious. It's not something you write down, but it's there. So that's why we read testimonies every Sunday morning. The reason we do that is not so you'll know a lot of stories, but that it keeps us always conscious of the supernatural. If you don't have a testimony, you just go borrow somebody's. You just say, oh yeah, I had a friend that God raised him up and grew his leg out and cancer was gone. Whatever it takes until you get your own, you just borrow one and make it yours because they're all ours. So we're going to talk about these things a little bit and emphasize. I talk about testimonies all the time because I think they're so, so important to staying in faith. And that's all we're trying to do here. We're not trying to ask God for more, get him to do something. The promises of God are yes and amen. So all I got to do is stay in faith and I'm done. I've got it. Amen. 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 Anybody have a testimony tonight before we go another way that just spurred you to say, I got to tell this. And you do have to tell it at times. I'm so proud of y'all that sometimes you, someone just says, oh yeah, $10 million came into my life this weekend and paid off everything, and you know, you got a $2 raise, and you think, well, that's nothing. That's wrong thinking too. Y'all say amen. amen. It's, it's, it's no telling how many $2 raises that person had before they got out of debt. So we're just all walking it out. Well, amen.